Chapter Thirteen of Gentle Julia by Booth Tarkington. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Bologna Times. It was a pretty morning, two weeks after Julia's dance, and blue and lavender shadows, frayed with midsummer sunshine, waggled gaily across the grass beneath the trees of the tiny orchard, but trembled with timidity as they hurried over the abnormal surfaces of Mrs. Silver as she sat upon the steps of the back porch. Her right hand held in security one end of a leather leash. The other end of the leash was fastened to a new collar about the neck of an odd and fascinating dog. Seated upon the brick walk at her feet, he was regarding her with a gravity that seemed to discomfort her. She was unable to meet his gaze and constantly averted her own whenever it furtively descended to his. In fact, her expression and manner were singular, denoting embarrassment, personal hatred, and a subtle bedazzlement. She could not look at him, yet could not keep herself from looking at him. There was something here that arose out of the depths of natural character. It was intrinsic in the two personalities, that is to say, and was in addition to the bitterness consequent upon a public experience just past, which had been brought upon Mrs. Silver partly by the dog's appearance, in particular the style and color of his hair, and partly by his unprecedented actions in her company upon the highway. She addressed him angrily, yet with a profound uneasiness. Dog, she said, you ain't feeling as skittish as what you did little while ago, is you? My glory, I des would like to lay my hand to you hide once, mister. I take and lamb you this livin' minute if I right show you wouldn't take and bite me. She jerked the leash vindictively, upon which the dog at once sat up on his haunches put his forepaws together above his nose in an attitude of prayer, and looked at her inscrutably from under the great bang of hair that fell like a black chrysanthemum over his forehead. Beneath this woolly lambrequin, his eyes were visible as two garnet sparks, of which the colored woman was only too nervously aware. She gasped. Look a here, dog. Who's went and asked you to take and pray for him? He remained motionless and devout. My goodness, she said to him, if you're going to keep on this away, what you is being, I'm going to go up and go away from here, right now. Then she said a remarkable thing. Listen here, mister, I ain't never lose no grandchild, and I ain't going to dop no stranger for one neither. The explanation rests upon the looks and manners of him whom she addressed. This dog was of a kind at the top of dog kingdoms. His size was neither insignificant nor great. Probably his weight would have been between a fourth and a third of a St. Bernard's. He had the finest head for adroit thinking that is known among dogs, and he had an athletic body, the forepart muffled and lost in a mass of corded black fleece, but the rest of him sharply clipped from the chest aft, and his trim slim legs were clipped, though tufts were left at his ankles and at the tip of his short tail, with two upon his hips like fanciful buttons of an imaginary jacket. For thus have such dogs been clipped to a fashion proper and comfortable for them ever since, and no doubt long before, an imperial Roman sculptor so chiseled one in bas-relief. 
in brief this dog who caused kitty silver so much disquietude as she sat upon the back steps at mr atwater's belonged to that species of which no frenchman ever sees a specimen without smiling and murmuring caniche he was that golden-hearted little clown of all the world a french poodle to arrive at what underlay mrs silver's declaration that she had never lost a grandchild and had no intention of adopting a stranger in the place of one it should be first understood that in many respects she was a civilized person the quality of savagery barbarism or civilization in a tribe may be tested by the relations it characteristically maintains with domestic animals and tribes that eat dogs are often inferior to those inclined to ceremonial cannibalism likewise the civilization barbarism or savagery of an individual may be estimated by the same test which sometimes gives us evidence of sporadic reversions to mud such reversions are the stomach priests whatever does not minister to their own bodily inwards is a parasite dogs are parasites they should not live because to fat and eat them somehow appears uncongenial kill dogs and feed pigs they write to the papers and with a velasquez available would burn it rather than go chilly kill dogs feed pigs and let me eat the pigs they cry even under no great stress these stern economists who have not noticed how wasteful the creator is proved to be if he made themselves they take the strictly intestinal view of life it is not intelligent parasite bacilli will get them in the end mrs silver was not of these true she sometimes professed herself averse to all animals but this meant nothing more than her unwillingness to have her work increased by their introduction into the atwater household no the appearance of the dog had stirred something queer and fundamental within her all colored people look startled the first time they see a french poodle but there is a difference most colored men do not really worry much about being colored but many colored women do in the expression of a colored man when he looks at a black and woolly french poodle there is something fonder and more indulgent than there is in the expression of a colored woman when she looks at one in fact when some colored women see a french poodle they have the air of being insulted now when kitty silver had first set eyes on this poodle an hour earlier she looked and plainly was dumbfounded never in her life had she seen a creature so black so incredibly black or with hair so kinky so incredibly kinky julia had not observed mrs silver closely nor paused to wonder what thoughts were rousing in her mind but bade her to take the poodle forth for exercise outdoors and keep him strictly upon the leash without protest though wearing a unique expression kitty obeyed she walked round the block with this mystifying dog and during the promenade had taken place the episode that so upset her nerves she had given a little jerk to the leash speaking sharply to the poodle in reproach for some lingering near a wonderful sidewalk smell imperceptible to any one except himself instantly the creature rose and walked beside her on his hind legs
he continued to parade in this manner rapidly but nevertheless as if casually without any apparent inconvenience and mrs silver never having seen a dog do such a thing before for more than a yard or so and then only under the pressure of many inducements was unfavorably impressed in fact she had definitely a symptom of m maeterlinck's odd feeling when he found himself alone with the talking horses with whom was she look a here dog she said breathlessly who you tryin to scare you ain't no person and then a blow fell it came from an elderly but ever undignified woman of her own race who paused across the street and stood teetering from side to side in joyful agitation as she watched the approach of mrs silver with her woolly little companion beside her when the smaller silhouette in ink suddenly walked upright the observer's mouth fell open and there was reason to hope that it might remain so in silence especially as several other pedestrians had stopped to watch the poodle's uncalled-for exhibition but all at once the elderly rowdy saw fit to become uproarious whoopsie she shouted ooh grandma and so when the poodle sat up unbid to pray while kitty silver rested upon the back steps on her return from the excursion she fiercely informed him that she had never lost a grandchild and that she would not adopt a stranger in place of one her implication being that he a stranger had been suggested for the position and considered himself eligible for it he continued to pray not relaxing a hair listen to me dog said kitty silver is you a dog or isn't you a dog what is you anyway but immediately she withdrew the question i ain't astin you she exclaimed superstitiously if you isn't no dog don't you take and tell me what you is you take and keep it to yourself cause i don't want to listen to it for the garnet eyes beneath the great black chrysanthemum indeed seemed to hint that their owner was about to use human language in a human voice instead however he appeared to be content with his little exhibition allowed his forepaws to return to the ground and looked at her with his head wistfully tilted to one side this reassured her and even somewhat won her there stirred within her that curious sense of relationship evoked from the first by his suggestive appearance fondness was being born and an admiration that was in a way a form of narcissism she addressed him in a mollified voice what you want now don't tell me you hungry cause you already done et two dog biscuit and a big saucer milk what you stick you old black face crossways and me for honey but just then the dog rose to look pointedly toward the corner of the house somebody's coming he meant what you spectin little dog mrs silver inquired florence and herbert came round the house herbert trifling with a tennis ball and carrying a racket under his arm florence was peeling an orange for heaven's sake florence cried kitty silver where on earth did this dog come from belong to your aunt julia when she get him yesterday who gave him to her she ain't sayin you mean she won't tell she ain't sayin kitty silver repeated i asked her i say i say miss julia ma'am i say miss julia ma'am who ever send you sech a 
unlandish looking dog i say all she say when i asked her nem mind she say des that away nem mind she say i reckon she ain't goin to tell nobody who give her this dog he's certainly a mighty queer looking dog said herbert i've seen a few like that but i can't remember where what kind is he kitty silver miss julia tell me he a poogle dog a poodle florence corrected her and then turned to herbert in supercilious astonishment a french poodle my goodness i should think you were old enough to know that much anyway going on fourteen years old well i did know it he declared i kind of knew it anyhow but i sort of forgot it for once do you know if he bites kitty silver she was noncommittal he ain't bid nobody yet i don't believe he'll bite said florence i bet he likes me he looks like he was taking a fancy to me kitty silver what's his name gamile what gamile what a funny name are you sure kitty silver gamile what you aunt julia told me mrs silver insisted you can go on in the house and ast her she'll tell you the same well anyway i'm not afraid of him said florence and she stepped closer to the poodle extending her hand to caress him then she shouted as the dog at her gesture rose to his hind legs and as far as the leash permitted walked forward to meet her she flung her arms about him rapturously oh the lovely thing she cried he walks on his hind legs why he's crazy about me let him go said herbert i bet he don't like you any more than he does anybody else leap go of him and i bet he shows he likes me better than he does you but when florence released him gammar caressed them both impartially he leaped upon one then upon the other and then upon kitty silver with a cordiality that almost unseated her let him off the leash florence cried he won't run away cause the gates are shut let him loose and see what he'll do mrs silver snapped the catch of the leash and gammar departed in the likeness of a ragged black streak with his large and eccentric ears flapping back in the wind and his afterpart hunched in he ran round and round the little orchard like a dog gone wild altogether a comedian when he heard children shrieking with laughter he circled the more wildly then all upon an unexpected instant came to a dead halt facing his audience his nose on the ground between his two forepaws his hindquarters high and unstooping and seeing they laughed at this too he gave them enough of it then came back to kitty silver and sat by her feet a spiral of pink tongue hanging from a wide-open mouth roofed with black florence resumed the peeling of her orange who do you think gave gammar to aunt julia she asked i ain't steadyin about it yes but who do you guess i ain't well but if you had to be burned to death or guess somebody who would you guess i have to get burned up said kitty silver every last collar what comes here is give her some doggone animal already mr sammerses he give her them two burgeon cats and old mr ridgeways what lost his wife he give your aunt julia them two canaries that tuck and hopped out the cage and then out the window last week one day when your grandpa was alone in the room with him and mr george plummers he give her that airydale dog you grandpa tuck and give to the milkman and mr ushers he give her 
them two pups what your grandpa tuck and skeer off the place soon as he laid eyes on em and this here mr claridge he give her that old live alligator from florida what i found looking at me over the edge of my kitchen sink ugly old thing and your grandpa tuck and give it to the greenhouse man ain't none of em gemmen gone try it and give her no more animals i bet so how anybody gone guess who sent her this here gamma nobody left what ain't already sent her one and had the gift spile yes there is said florence who noble dill that there little young mr dills kitty silver cried listen me this here dog spencer dog i don't care i bet noble dill gave him to her mrs silver hooted Whew, go away that there young little mr dills he ain't never did show no class no way nor no time he be hundred year old before you see him in an automobile what belonged to him look at the way some nem fine big rich men like mr claridge and mr ridgeways take and throw they money round new necktie every time you see him new straw hat right spang the first warm day ring the bell i say i say walk right in mr ridgeways slip me dollar bill desk like that mr samuses and mr plummers and some nem others they all show class look mr samuses spectacles made turtle back fancy turtle too i asked miss julia she tell me they fancy turtle gold rim spectacles ain't in it no ma'am mr samuses spectacles just them rims on his spectacles alone i bet they cost mon all what this here young little mr dills got on him from his toes up and his skin out i bet mr plummers throw money around dead's for gettin his pants pressed than what mr dills afford to spend to buy hisn in the first place he lose his struggle cause you aunt julia she out for the big class this here gamma he dog cause money he show class same you aunt julia ain't neither of them got to waste they time on nobody what can't show no more class than this here little young dish combobbery mr deals i don't care florence said stubbornly he could have saved up and saved up and if he saved up long enough he could have got enough money to buy a dog like gamar because you can get money enough for anything if you're willing to save up long enough anyway i bet he's the one gave him to her herbert joined kitty silver in laughter florence is always talking about noble dill he said she's sort of crazy anyway though it runs in the family florence retorted automatically i caught it from my cousins anyhow i don't think there's a single one of any that wants to marry aunt julia that's got the slightest comparison to noble dill i admire him because he's so uncouth he's so who kitty silver inquired uncouth yes m said mrs silver it's in the dictionary florence explained it means rare elegant exquisite obs unknown and a whole lot else it does not herbert interposed it means kind of countrified you go look in the dictionary his cousin said severely then maybe you'll know what you're talking about just for once anyhow i do like noble dill and i bet so does aunt julia kitty silver shook her head 
he lose his struggle honey miss julia she out for the big class she ain't steadying about him except maybe des to let him run her errands she treat em all mighty nice cause the mo come shovin and pushin each other around class or no class why the mo harder that big class got to work to get her and the mo she got after her the mo keeps a comin but this he had young little mr dills i kind of got strong notion he liable not come no more tall her tone had become one of reminiscent amusement which culminated in a burst of laughter <laughs> she concluded after last night i reckon this here mr dills better keep away from the place yes'm florence looked thoughtful and for the time said nothing it was herbert who asked why'd noble dill better stay away from here you grandpa mrs silver said shaking her head you grandpa what about grandpa said herbert what'd he do last night do oh me then mrs silver uttered sounds like the lowing of kine whereby she meant to indicate her inability to describe mr atwater's performance well ma'am she said in the low and husky voice of simulated exhaustion all i got to say yo grandpa beat hisself he beat hisself how do you mean how could he he beat hisself he des out talk hisself no ma'am i done hear him many and many and many's the time but last night he beat hisself what about nothing in the wide wall but des this here young little noble dears what we talkin about this livin minute what started him what start him mrs silver echoed with sudden loudness my goodness he been started ever since the very first time he ever lay eyes on him prancin up the front walk to call on miss julia you grandpa don't like none of them collars but he everlastin and did up and take a true spot on this here little deals i mean said herbert what started him last night them cigarettes said kitty silver them cigarettes what this here noble dills smokes while he's settin out on the front porch callin on your aunt julia your grandpa mighty funny man about smellin you know as well's i do he don't even like the smell of violet well ma'am if he can't stand violet how in the name of misery is he going to stand the smell of them cigarettes this here deal smoke i can't hardly stand em myself then he lie one on the front porch she sif all through the house and comes sliding right the whole way out to my kitchen and bim she take me in the nose your grandpa already told miss julia time and time again if that little dills like this one more on his front porch he goin to walk out there and do some harm cause she never tuck and paid no attention cause miss julia she never paid no attention to nobody and she like collar have nice time she ain't goin tell him your grandpa make such a fuss yes deed kind friend she said she say she say when they asked her miss julia ma'am they say i like please strike a match for to light my cigarette if you please ma'am she say light as many as you please kind friend she say she say she say smell o cigarette des delightful little smell she say go ahead and smoke all you can stand she say cause i want you enjoy yourself when you pay call on me she say 
Well, so this here young little Dills settin' there puffin' and blowin' his chest out and in, and feelin' all nice, cause it about the first time this livin' summer he catch you Aunt Julia alone to hisself for a while, and all time the house des fillin' up and draft blowin' straight at your grandpa, where he's settin' in his library. Ma'am, he send me out and tell her come in. He got message mighty important for to speak to her. So she tells this here Dills, wait a minute, and walk in the library. Old ladies. What did he say? Herbert asked eagerly. He didn't say nothing, Mrs. Silver replied eloquently. He hollered. What did he holler? He want no. Didn't he never tell her this here Dills can't smoke no more cigarettes on his property? And didn't he tell her he wasn't going to allow him on the place if he did? He say she got to go back on the porch and run this here little Dills off home. He say he give her fair choice. She can run him off or else he go on out and chase him away hisself. He claim little Dills ain't got no business round collar nowhere at all, cause he only make about eighteen dollars a week and ain't worth it, he say. She was confirmed in this report by an indignant interruption from Florence. That's just what he did say, the old thing. I heard him myself, and if you care to ask me, I'll be glad to inform you that I think Grandpa's conduct was simply insulting. Deed it were, said Miss Silver, and that's what he claimed hisself he mean it fur. But you tell me, please, how you hear what your Grandpa say. He might a nosy, but you never could a heard him plumb to where you live. I wasn't home said Florence. I was over here. Then you must have made yourself mighty skimpish, cause I ain't seen you. Nobody saw me. I wasn't in the house, said Florence. I was out in front. Whereabouts in front? Well, I was sitting on the ground, up against the lattice-work on the front porch. What fur? Well, it was dark, said Florence. I just kind of wanted to see what might be going on. And you hear all what your grandpa take on about and everything? I should say so. You could have heard him lots farther than where I was. Land o' oh misery, Kitty Silver cried out. If you done hear him where you was, this here little Dills must have heard him mighty plain. He did. How could he help it? He heard every word, and pretty soon he came down off the porch and stood a minute. Then he went on out the gate, and I don't know whether he went home or not, because it was too dark to see, but he didn't come back. You're right he didn't, exclaimed Mrs. Silver. I reckon he got for thought enough for that. Anyhow, I bet he ain't never goin' come back, neither. Your grandpa say he goin' be fixed for him, if he do. Yes, that was while he was standing there, said Florence ruefully. He heard all that, too. Miss Julia, she's bishin' he done hear somethin' another, I guess, Kitty Silver went on. She shut the library door right almost on your grandpa's nose while he's still a rampin', and she slip out on the porch and take a look round and then go on up to her own room. I was up there while after that turned down her bed, and she enjoyin' herself reading book. She feel kind of put out. 
I reckon. But she ain't stand about no young little dills. She want em all to have nice time and like her. But she gonna lose this one, and she got plenty to spare. She show too much class for to fret about no dills. I don't care, said Florence. I think she ought to whether she does or not, because I bet he was feeling just awful, and I think Grandpa behaved like an old hoodlum. That'll do, Herbert admonished her sternly. You show some respect for your relations, if you please. But his loyalty to the Atwater family had a bad effect on Florence. Oh, will I? she returned promptly. Well, then, if you care to inquire my opinion, I just politely think Grandpa ought to be hanged. See here! But Florence and Kitty Silver interrupted him simultaneously. Look at that! Florence cried. My name! exclaimed Kitty Silver. It was the strange taste of Gammire that so excited them. Florence had peeled her orange and divided it rather fairly into three parts, but the vehemence she exerted in speaking of her grandfather had caused her to drop one of these upon the ground. Gammire promptly ate it, sat up, and adjusted his paws in prayer for more. Now you listen to me. Kitty Silver, I ain't seen no dog eat orange in all my days, and I ain't seen nobody else but see dog eat orange. No, ma'am, and I ain't never hear nobody else but ever see nobody but see dog eat orange. Herbert decided to be less impressed. Oh, I've heard of dogs that'd eat apples, he said. Yes, and watermelon and nuts and things. As he spoke, he played with the tennis ball upon his racket and concluded by striking the ball high into the air. Its course was not true, and it descended far over toward the orchard where Herbert ran to catch it, but he was not quick enough. At the moment the ball left the racket, Gammire abandoned his prayers. His eyes, like a careful fielder's, calculating and estimating, followed the swerve of the ball in the breeze, and when it fell, he was on the correct spot. He caught it. Herbert shouted. He caught it on the fly. It must have been an accident. Here. And he struck the ball into the air again. It went high, twice as high as the house, and again Gammar judged it, continuously shifting his position, his careful eyes never leaving the little white globe until just before the last instant of its descent he was motionless beneath it. He caught it again, and Herbert whooped. Gammar brought the ball to him and invited him to proceed with the game. That, that there might be no mistaking his desire, Gammire sat up and prayed, nor did he find Herbert anything loth. Out of nine chances, Gammire muffed the ball only twice, both times excusably, and Florence once more flung her arms about the willing performer. Who do you suppose trained this wonderful darling doggy? she cried. Mrs. Silver shook her marveling head. He must a come that a way, she said. I bet nobody tall ain't train him. He do what he want to himself. That gamma don't ask nobody to train him. Oh, goodness, Florence said with sudden despondency. It's awful. What is? To think of as lovely a dog as this having to face Grandpa. Face him? Kitty Silver echoed forebodingly. I reckon you, Grandpa, demand des face him. That's what I mean, Florence explained. I expect he's just brute enough to drive him off. Yes, said Miss Silver. 
He get madder every time somebody sent her new pet. You grandpa mighty nervous man, and everlasting do hate animals. He hasn't seen Gammar, has he? Don't look like he'd do it, said Kitty Silver. Dog here yet. Well, then I... Florence paused, glancing at Herbert, for she had just been visited by a pleasant idea, and had no wish to share it with him. Is Aunt Julia in the house? She were, a little while ago. I want to see her about something I ought to see her about, said Florence. I'll be out in a minute. End of chapter 13